Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And uh, Dimity, today, if the weather holds out, I am going to try to get John and Daphne to go to their first cross-country meet. Um, Wow. Yeah. You have to try and get them? They're not required to be there? No. So it's an interesting program. It's put on through Foot Traffic, which is a local um, uh, collection of running stores here in Portland. And it's a program for third through eighth graders. And I heard about it from another mother runner, um, Andrea, who actually models um, the When Mom Runs Everybody Wins shirt on our site. And so her daughter, who's quite speedy, was doing the program. And it's Monday and Wednesdays, like from five to six. It's very relaxed. You know, there's no, I mean, it's very, I think it's 25 bucks for like an eight week, six week program or something. And you show up if you want. And if you don't want to show up, you don't show up. And if you want to race, you can race. And there's four cross-country meets. And um, kids, younger kids race a shorter distance than the older kids do. And, I mean, John Daphne really seemed to like it the first day. And they did quite well. And the times they've gone, they've done really well. But, oh, they put up such a fuss about not wanting to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I mean, I think I was talking, I was talking to you or someone else about this. I feel like running is a really mature sport. We were talking about that while while you, Molly and I were running together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with swimming and cycling and triathlon. I mean, I hats off to every kid who wants to run or wants to triathlon or whatever. Um, but I just, I mean, I just feel like it takes a certain mentality to push yourself against the clock when you don't have your friends out there kind of you know, you're passing to them like in soccer or basketball or whatever. Right. I mean, it's, it's still a team sport, obviously, cross country and all that. But I don't know, it just you couldn't have paid me enough money to be on a cross country team, especially but, when I was in, um, you know, third grade. <laughs> I know. But the thing is, they are so John and Daphne are so speedy. I mean, they have to they meet at one side of the high school and then they like warm up by running over to the and the high school is at a park. And they so it's quite a large way to get to the other corner of this um, park. And, oh, I mean, they just are always leading the charge, not because they're like super competitive, like their mother, for example, um, <laughs> but they just do it because that's the speed you're, you're they chasing, run at. You're chasing them with a cattle pod. Faster, Daphne, faster. <laughs> right. Use that mus- if you want your dinner tonight, <laughs> yeah. you must get to the other side of the park first. Use that amazing muscular butt that I just can't get enough of. My gosh, she yeah. just is, oh my goodness, it's just a Yeah, sh- both per- your twins are, are very muscular. <laughs> well, so, um, I mean, so what about a little bribing? I mean, 
I'm not above a bribe, you know? I mean, if you think, because a little bit is just getting the momentum going and getting out the door. Oh, because yeah. Because once, once they, I mean, Amelia does the same thing with swimming sometimes. And then, you know, at the end of practice, you know, I'm almost scared to say, like, how did it go? Because I'm ready for this tired, like, I didn't want to go. And it's, she wouldn't <laughs> say it sucked. But you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. She's like, oh, it was fine. It was good. You know, yeah. I mean, so it's almost like you just have to kind of say, Hey, you know, hey, John, you can have a gobstopper on the way over or whatever, you know, or, you know, you've been in our car recently. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You guys, you guys uh, have a little, um, little stash of squirrel nutkin snacks in your, in your um, door, whatever those are called. Those are, um, those are, that's, that's Jack's doing, by the way. And, and for background, Dimity was in Portland just as we're recording this, just this past weekend for a photo shoot we did with them, um, uh, whole scores of mother runners, which was fantastic. And, um, but yeah, Jack is all about going to the dollar store and getting gobstoppers and sweet tarts. And then he keeps them in his car and then, um, doles them out to the kids and, oh, you know, they, they really like the green sweet tarts and one of them likes the blue sweet tarts. <laughs> they well, love but is, as a gobstopper, even appealing. I mean, as a 40 year old person or whatever, <laughs> I mean, and I'm a sugar junkie as, as big as the sugar junkies come, but you could not, I mean, I would not pick a guy. Go- I would not pick to eat a gobstopper. Oh yeah. It was like the last piece of food on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I agree. Um, you know, particularly because you don't get any, you can't really bite it unless you want to then go visit the dentist. Exactly. You always like, you always risk like dental injury, which is, you know, then, so you go to the dollar store for a gobstopper and then you end up paying $700 to have your oh. tooth fixed. Oh, that you know? was me with um Swedish fish. I remember one of the first times I went to go see a movie after Phoebe was born. And uh, we have this um, uh, like collection of movie theaters run, it's called McMinimins. And, um, you know, so it's second run movies, you pay three bucks they have couches and beer and pizza and it's just delightful and so i went off and saw um forgetting sarah marshall and so i had (laughs) a really wonderful movie and i'm sitting there just loving life you know watching a mediocre comedy and eating swedish fish next thing i know the swedish fish is pulling a filling out of my head i'm like no this is the most expensive three dollar movie ever (laughs) dang it dang it um but yeah but so back to the twins and So they're missing. John will um, not, he'll be in DC next week as we record this um, with me. And so he'll miss next week's meet. And so we won't have Daphne go. And then, oh, I don't, I'm thinking I, I, there's a big, the last meet in October is quite big. So I want them to have kind of more low key one beforehand. So I'm really intent on them going tomorrow evening. Well, just then just say, you don't have a choice. This is what we signed up for. You made this commitment and we're going to go. I mean, see, then John, who is quite, he is a lawyer in the making. He would point out that it was my idea that they do this cross country. It was not their idea. Like I didn't. Oh, I don't know. I argue with my own children, Sarah. You might have to. (laughs) (laughs) This is exhausting just now, just like even thinking about the anticipation of it, because I I do it enough on my own terms. Yeah. I mean, wait, wait, what, 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 what are you thinking about doing? Oh yeah, I'm thinking. Um, you know, them they won't be able to watch Survivor next week if they don't <laughs> if they don't do the cross country meet. So. See, I bribe, I pull them along. You put the hammer out, and you're like, I take this away where I give and you take away. But it's it's like you know variations on a theme. You know, yeah, like, yeah, okay, it's funny, yeah. Or maybe well, and I mean, and maybe and maybe I mean, I think that you talk, you, you pump them up a little bit too. Like you guys are so good. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go see if you can, you know, see if you can beat your time from last week or see if you can, mm-hmm. 
beat, you know, the other third graders or whatever it is. Right. Beat each other. Oh, my exactly. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wear them both into the ground and then they won't complain anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, because they, they missed practice on Monday because it was raining just torrentially. And uh, they were quite delighted not to have to go. But um, anyway, so those are the that's the, you know, running dilemma in my life. Oh, so oh, anyway, the running dilemma in my life right now is that I just have no mojo <laughs> at all. Zero, zero. I'm just, I, I think I need a nice long break, but I, I don't know that I can like mentally afford to take a nice long break because then I'll just go crazy, you know? Right, right. Oh, it's the, you know, kind of the hair of the dog. You know, you, uh, you, you need your run to stay sane, but, but your runs are making you crazy. Yes, uh. exactly. <laughs> and they're not making me crazy. I mean, I'm fine running and I'm running injury free, which, you know, mm-hmm. I think I wrote recently, it's almost been like two years, which uh-huh. is, I mean, for me is like, you know, a decade. So that's huge. Right. Um, but, uh, but I just, I, I just don't have any oomph right now to get up and go. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think we're doing the, so we're going to Washington, D.C., where you're bringing John, Lucky yeah. John, um, is coming to hang out with your good friend. And, um, and I think after Ragnar, D.C., I think I might just, um, you know, hang up the shoes for mm-hmm. a week or two and just kind of see where that, um, but you would still, me. um, swim or do, you'd do Pilates, you'd, you'd maybe, oh, I definitely ride do Pilates. I've mm-hmm. got to do Pilates, but I don't know. I just, Maybe I'll go to the gym. I, I, I haven't mm-hmm. been to the gym in a long time. Like kind of strength training calling my name. And mm-hmm. this sounds Dibbity, crazy, but Dibbity. the step mill. Oh. I know. <laughs> Dibbity, the... Dibbity, come squat with us. Um, you know, the step mill, which is the one that wow. has the real stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just need something a little different. I don't, I definitely don't want to get on my bike right now and I have no interest in swimming. I'm, huh. I'm feeling a little flat <laughs> as you might, <laughs> as you might have uh, been able to, uh, uh, see if I had your pool and your swimming prowess, I would just be plying that those lanes at, like every day. Really? Oh, Maybe yeah. I need to go do that. I mean, I've thought about going back to DU. DU is the pool that I want mm-hmm. to go to. You know, that's the long. Oh, it's the Olympic. Oh, to swim long distance. Oh, I would do, to swim long course. I would be in heaven. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not diving until after Ragnar. So. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook I'd strongly suggest you listen to is Sutton by J.R. Moringer. Probably not saying his last name correctly, but he is a very talented writer lives in New York, and this is all about Willie Sutton, the um, infamous bank robber from the last century. And it is drawn largely on fact, but he fictionalizes it and makes it into a really engaging novel. So it's what I am listening to for my book group. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash mother. And now back to our show. So Sarah, who's going to be our guest today? So it is Dr. Elizabeth Stevenson Gargiulo, who is 
a um, OBGYN in private practice in Dallas. And I just feel we get so many questions about, you know, lady parts and periods and all those things that we needed to have another OBGYN on. So um, Dr. Beth, as we have um, asked her if it's okay to call her, because that's what she uh, writes under. She and her husband, who's a, an elite runner, they run a website um, called runningthroughpregnancy.com. And um, Dr. Beth herself ran through her own pregnancy. She finished a 5K road race the day before she went to labor. She's the veteran of nine marathons, including two Boston marathons. So let's bring on Dr. Beth. It's great to be here. Thanks. So um, so I say let's start off with a laugh. And um, Melissa is looking for you to give us a snappy response to say to people when they tell us mother runners that our uteruses are going to fall out from running. I don't know that I have a snappy response to that. I have never heard someone say that before. Really? That the uterus is going to fall out. No. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think people get upset by the somewhat horrified look that some people have when they see a very pregnant woman running. Because, it, yeah, you, I mean, that's why they told women they couldn't run longer than, you know, what was it, 1,500 in the Olympics was because they're you know, female organs would fall out onto the track or onto the road. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're, I think in general, people are just afraid of pregnant women that they are going to deliver right there in front of them. (laughs) So everyone is afraid that they will have to deliver the baby themselves. And I think they're afraid the woman who is running pregnant will be delivering in the middle of her run, which of course never happens. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. Perfect. Oh. All right. Well, so um, so speaking of uteruses, first, this is um an, another silly question, but is it uteruses or is it uteri? What's the, what's the uh, what's the plural I, of I mean, uterus? I mean, tech, technically, we just have one uterus, unless you happen to be born with two, and then you would have uteri. Oh, but that happens so okay. infrequently that we call it the proper medical term, which is uterus didelphus. So we usually just refer to it as the uterus. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, All right. Uh, but, I kind of like that word yeah. uteri, though. I do like it. I'm going I'm to throw but, that but in you the conversation can. You every can call, once in a while. You can call it uteri, and everyone will know what you're talking about, I, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so um, so this question actually is serious and important. Um, several ladies wonder if running will make either their prolapsed uterus or prolapsed bladder worse. And before you answer that, will you kind of tell what uh, explain what a prolapsed uterus or prolapsed bladder is? Okay, so a prolapsed uterus and bladder are basically the equivalent of a hernia, but in the vaginal canal. So we have connective tissue and muscles that support all of our you know, genital urinary organs, i.e. the uterus, the bladder, and we have connective tissue that holds it all up. So over time, multiple different you know, conditions the support in the connective tissue can become loose, or you can literally develop an opening in it into which both the bladder and or the uterus can fall through. So that's the best way to describe it as a hernia. So a uterine prolapse means that the uterus, the support is is not as adequate as it was before, and it starts dropping in the pelvis. And what we'll see when we examine women is that in some cases, the cervix is actually 
coming out of the vagina. Mm-hmm. And women will complain of going to the bathroom and, and feeling like something is falling out. And then the bladder is a similar situation where the connective tissue supporting the bladder is either loose or it's actually opened up. And then when a woman bears down, you can actually see not her bladder, but it's the the tissue over the bladder bulging out of her vaginal canal. So anytime that a woman has something that increases her intra-abdominal pressure, so that's going to be if someone's bearing down a lot, like, you know, if someone were to be constipated and pushing down, you know, simulating that. So, you know, it, it can happen somewhat more frequently in women who lift heavy weights mm-hmm. a lot. Um, it can happen in women who are overweight because they have an increased intra-abdominal pressure just because they're overweight. And then during pregnancy, you do get where all the tissues get stretched out from the pregnancy itself. So when we have women, not so much the running, but it's the women who have had big children that they've delivered vaginally, not always, but more likely vaginally, that the connective tissue gets stretched out and maybe doesn't heal quite back up, you know, as much as it was before. So it's not necessarily the running per se. It's just the fact that you're pregnant can increase the chances of that happening. Hmm. Okay. So, so what, if you have that situation and you're running like Uh post birth, I mean, are you going to aggravate it or make it worse? You know, for someone who has that situation, if they're running post-birth, I think they need to be really careful about watching their symptoms. Um, Probably they need to make sure that they wait until the uterus has gone back down to its normal size if they have uterine prolapse, Um, because otherwise they're going to have that pressure and discomfort and they they want those muscles and those tissues to really, to not shrink, but we call it involute back to their previous size and be good about doing their Kegel exercises, which is where you, you know, you squeeze the muscles in your vaginal canal, similar to how you would if you were stopping the flow of urine. Um, and you know, if you're nursing, you can have a lack of pelvic support then. And what you want to do is you want to avoid doing something where you're having uh, just a repetitive increase in pressure in there. And I think, you know, every woman's body is going to be a little bit different as well too. So you know, some women can have more severe symptoms, um, but it, someone who has prolapse may need to wait longer after running, after, excuse me, after um, having a baby before they start running again. Hmm. Okay. And hmm. typically, how long does it take for it to to um, come back to regular size? Usually, by the time someone is about anywhere from four to six weeks postpartum, the uterus is going to be, you know, down to its it's almost its pre-pregnancy size. They usually don't get quite as small as they did beforehand. And then if you're nursing, sometimes the uterus will actually get smaller for a short while while you're nursing and then get a little bit bigger again when you're done nursing because the hormone levels are so low during, during that time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I tell my patients in terms of exercise that if they have, in, after, after a vaginal delivery, if they have stitches from any type of tearing that they may have had, they really need to wait until the stitches have all healed up, you know, before they start exercising. But when they do, they have to keep in mind that everything is not completely back to normal. So you have to ease back into it. A good reminder that 
that sort of any type of injury in an almost birth is, in a sense, an injury um, to certain parts uh-huh. of the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's to your whole body and your whole life, actually. <laughs> but that's okay. That's another, that's another discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've, you've touched on um, running during pregnancy, and, and you were proof positive of that, that you ran a 5K race uh, close to your own due date. So, um, uh-huh. so first of all, tell us about that, but then also if you can give some guidance about training for a race, like a half marathon during pregnancy, some of our Facebook, um, people were wondering about that. I mean, I think, I think the most important thing for someone who's training is to keep in mind that while you're pregnancy, it's probably not the best time to actually be racing as opposed to running. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think that most people should expect that they can keep up the fitness level where they're going to have a PR when they're actually pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for someone who is training, they have to keep in mind that they're going to have certain things that they're going to experience that they may not experience when they weren't pregnant. You know, they'll have to go to the bathroom more frequently. So longer runs, that's going to be an issue. Um, you know, definitely in the first trimester, you can start getting short of breath from the high progesterone levels. And it doesn't mean you're not oxygenating well, but you'll just feel short of breath, which can make it more difficult. And mm-hmm. then once you get past the about 10th week of pregnancy, the amount of fluid in your body doubles. So your heart has to start working harder. So you can start getting your heart rate will increase, you know, where it gets more uncomfortable to run. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's training for a longer distance, mm-hmm. I think needs to slow down a little bit, you know, based on how they're feeling and, and try to get mileage that they can get in, but be wary of overdoing it. Um, and then again, keep in mind that when you do do the, you know, half marathon or whatnot, that it's, it's not going to be a race. It's going to be a run. Mm -hmm. That's how you approach your 5k that you did. What was it the day before you delivered or, or, and really at that point in time, I, you know, I, I had started getting uncomfortable and I'd cut back my mileage significantly. Mm -hmm. And so that last 5k was just, uh, Hey, I'm pregnant and I'm a runner and I'm going to run that 5k really pregnant and, you know, feel good about it. So I was just running it to finish it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I was, and after I walked over that finish line, I told my husband, okay, I don't know when this baby's coming, but this was my last run. (laughs) (laughs) I am done. It's done. Well, well, so Let's go back. I mean, because I know a lot of women get comments when they run when they're pregnant, you know, that they shouldn't be doing uh-huh. that and that they're hurting the baby and that kind of thing. I mean, um, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to have a sassy rebuttal for that. But, I mean, let's talk about um, running while pregnant. I mean, there seems to be a, a big disconnect um, between doctors and the medical community about whether or not it's safe to run when you're pregnant, how how far into pregnancy you can run. I mean, it's 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 sometimes frustrating because – you know, sometimes I feel like we're back in like 1972 when you hear medical advice, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, and, and you know, my experience was similar. Um, when I was pregnant, I actually, I, the obstetrician that I chose to deliver me is a runner. She ran in college and she was a, a very fast runner. And I knew that she had run during all of her pregnancies. And so I specifically chose her because I knew that she wouldn't have a problem with me running unless I started having any problems where I needed to stop. And when I was pregnant, 
I was at a lecture at our hospital in a room with all of my peers, and someone made the comment that if a woman was running during her pregnancy, it was basically like she was subjecting her baby to a car accident every day. And everyone in the room turned around and looked at me because they all knew that I was running the entire time. And I couldn't believe that had just come out of somebody's mouth. And was that doctor? And this was a physician at the hospital. Was this doctor like 85 and like like so old school they didn't even have schools back then? I mean, like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't think it's just the old school physicians. I think that some physicians and obstetricians and obstetricians that I... Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel anytime. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. I know and love will say, well, when you're pregnant, you shouldn't do anything that could potentially hurt the baby. So if you're a big exerciser, when you get pregnant, you just should stop. And the problem is, is there's not a whole lot of studies you know, active studies on women exercising in pregnancy. You know, right now there's a woman, Dr. Samansky at, um, at Johns Hopkins, and she's actually doing studies right now on pregnant women, and they are having them get on a treadmill, run, and getting off and monitoring the baby, doing sonograms to look mm-hmm. at the effect on the mom and on the baby. Mm-hmm. But up until this oh, that's point, great. I think more than anything, there's so much unknown that people get scared. And so they just tell women, we don't know, so you really should stop. But I mean, if that's the case, then women shouldn't be riding in cars. You know, they they shouldn't go anywhere near a gas station because of gas fumes. I mean, that's just, you know, you can't live in a bubble. I mean, certainly if, 
you know, I don't know, you know, you, you just have to be cautious, but, but, you know, you can't wrap yourself right. in, in a bubble wrap for nine or 10 months. Well, and, and the well, thing that could. is, and yeah, sort of you, you, you could, but <laughs> it's not, <laughs> your doctor wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I think because there's such a big disconnect either, you know, a woman who's pregnant has to find a physician who's going to be supportive of it, or she's going to do what a lot of people do. They just don't tell their doctor. Right. I think that happens a lot. Mm. That's not the healthiest thing to do, but I mean, I just, I just think like, right. I mean, for me, like I did not run with either of my pregnancies. I just, it did not feel good, you know? And I think obviously the person who owns the body knows the body their best, you know? And and yes, I mean, there's, there are extremes and we're not saying go run a marathon the day before you give right. birth. We're just saying if right. you don't have any complications and you feel healthy and you feel good and you're going at a respectable, you know, a pace that feels reasonable for you right where you are right now, then, right. then, then nothing can go, I mean, not nothing can go wrong, but it's okay. You know? Right. Don't, right. Oh, I don't agree you agree? Completely. Oh, okay. I, agree, I agree. I mean, that's, I just want to put that out in the world is <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because, um, because yeah. I mean, especially when you're pregnant, there's so many things flooding your head and, you know, if it's your first kid and you're about to kind of make this huge shift from child free to being a parent, like you need that sweat time to kind of just wrap your head around all the things that are going through it. And to take that away totally, I think is just really playing with fire. Right. Right. Oh, I agree completely. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> Just say. Um, so, um, so sort of going back to the internal organs thing. Um, so um, uh, Nicole and a slew of other mother runners on our Facebook page are looking for non-surgical advice and suggestions on dealing with incontinence when yeah. running after having kids. And we just hear that so often that, that I mean, it's, it's, I don't now, know. Are just... they talking about right after they have the baby or are they talking about two years later? Three years later. Oh no! I mean, we, I mean, we get I th- we get the whole span, but I mean, we definitely hear right. from a lot of women who, you know, their kids are out of diapers and they, the, the moms, are still, right. you know, needing pads right. when they run because otherwise they're just going to soak themselves. And that, um, so, so what you know, what you do know, you tell women like when that? you have the the incontinence when it's 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 called stress incontinence when you have the leakage during exercise personally i know all about it during jumping jacks um <laughs> there's you know yeah there, there's a couple things that women can do number one we'll talk about doing kegel exercises and i mentioned that before that's where you squeeze the muscles in the vaginal canal and it's the equivalent of if you were going to the bathroom and you would squeeze to stop the urine from coming out those are the muscles right there. Um, so, you know, it's exercises, mm-hmm. you know, anyone can Google it on what to do. You know, you need to regular on a regular basis, just like you would, you know, work out any other muscle, you have to squeeze it regularly to increase the muscle size. Um, other big things are, you know, before they go running, which is a little difficult, watch how much fluids they take in. You know, you know, the more you drink, the more you're going to have to go to the bathroom, your bladder will get mm-hmm. full. And then certain foods can be irritating to the bladder. Coffee probably being the biggest one that you drink coffee. And even if you haven't that had that much to drink, you're going to have more of an issue, you know, with incontinence. So, you know, watching fluid intake before the run, watching out for what foods and drinks you take in. And then um, there's a whole new 
I guess, subset of physical therapy now called pelvic physical therapy. I mean, most of the big physical mm-hmm. therapy centers now have mm-hmm. a, a group that's that's dedicated to pelvic issues during pregnancy and not during pregnancy. And they, they see a lot of women with, you know, incontinence and work with them. They have biofeedback therapy where they can work on having them, you know, train and stimulate Mm -hmm. those muscles that help support everything to make sure that they're doing it accurately. And so it's the equivalent of, you know, having physical therapy for any other type of muscle disorder that you're having. The pelvic physical therapists work specifically on the muscles of the pelvic floor, and they do a lot of biofeedback therapy, and it's all just exercises to help strengthen those muscles to decrease the incontinence. I have to say that I had that after I had uh, my first baby yeah. because I had a really long labor with oh, her. Wow. I pushed for about six and a half hours, and it was yeah. just amazing. Yeah, 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 that was real fun. Um, <laughs> but um, it was just amazing how few visits I needed it, to see really significant changes. It for does. The, for the positive. It's, it's hard to explain to patients. They, they can't really wrap their mind around physical therapy, you know, up in their vagina and what that means. Right. Um, and typically right. I'm really lucky that the center that we refer to, the woman who runs it is really passionate about what she does. So usually if they're hesitant to do it, I'll have them call her and then they'll go in for their appointment, but it makes a huge difference. And mm. I always recommend trying that before going on to anything surgical. And then of course, if it does get severe where it's impacting, you know, just life to the point where, you know, it's not acceptable, you know, that's when we'll, you know, refer patients. I, I, I specifically don't do the procedure myself. I refer my patients to a urogynecologist for surgery to help with that. But that's something that women want to wait until they're completely done having their children before they do that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's change topics again. Um, Angie has a question. What's up with the funk? Um, I keep getting yeast infections training for an upcoming marathon. Enough already. I, I have to say I have some personal experience with that as well. So, um, so uh-huh. what, what, what kind of tips, what kind of tips do you have as far as um, keeping the yeast at bay while you're training hard? And so are these questions for women who are pregnant and training or just, they're just training? In no, general? no, just, this is, this is just training in general. This is training in general. Just a runner. I mean, yeah. you know, it has to do with the change in the pH of the vaginal canal. And, you know, we all have yeast in our vagina. It's just, it's there. We're going to have some all the time. And it's, if it grows too much, that's when you can actually get the yeast infection. Um, so for women who are getting recurrent yeast infections, I'll recommend that they take a probiotic um, you know, that can help maintain the normal floor of the vaginal canal. You know, they want to make sure just because if it's warm, that can increase the growth of yeast that when they're done with their run, it's, you know, change out of your clothes, get something cool that's on there. Um, if they're using any type of deodorant soap, like deodorant soap, scented tampons, bubble baths, they really need to switch to really unscented, gentle. So, you know, you almost want to treat it like it was a baby's butt skin. Use really gentle soap down in that area with, with no chemicals or, you know, the, the deodorants in it. Um, yogurt helps as well too, because it has the probiotics. Perfect. So unfortunately it happens. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. <laughs> Especially in the summertime in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so Susan wants to know about, uh, running while menstruating good for cramps or bad. I think that's going to be different for, you know, every woman. Um, 
you know, I think in general, a lot of people, if they're having cramps and menstruating, you know, they feel better if they go running just, you know, the kick of the endorphins. And I feel, you know, I feel good. I don't know that it's specifically going to help cramps specifically. You know, I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would tell mm-hmm. someone who's having bad cramps that go on a run and they'll feel better, but I don't think that's anything that should stop you completely. Mm-hmm. Right. That the old gym excuse of oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on my much. period that that oh. doesn't work. So no, <laughs> it was that, it was Dimity's yeah, favorite excuse like back in the day, right there. Um, so yeah, and, and my period was like you know one right. pad, <laughs> one pad full, and I was done. Um, so um, so what about um, spotting? We had a couple questions about spotting, like um, one woman who had a hysterectomy who spots after long runs, and another one that says that she just, she's spotting also after long runs. Um, her, she says her doctor says it's normal, but I like to pit doctors against one another. She's, she's kidding. Um, but that's Marie asking about that. I mean, is a little spotting anything to be concerned about after a long training session? Yeah. I mean, most of the time spotting is, is extremely benign. Um, and I think the most important thing, especially if you still have your uterus, if you're having spotting and, and especially when you start getting, into the 40 ish age, just to let your doctor know about it. So they can make sure that there's nothing abnormal going on, you know, inside the lining or in your uterus. And if everything looks completely normal, honestly, there's really nothing to worry about. Okay. It's fine. It happens. So, so, and then speaking of, um, master's age uh-huh. runners, you alluded to people over 40, um, several, several master's age runners on our page, um, are frustrated by the wild uh-huh. fluctuations uh-huh. in energy levels during perimenopause. Like, you know, how that one, one week they'll feel like, you know, just, yes. they got, you know, like a dead dog after an eight mile run one week yeah. and then the next week they're like, Whoa, I could go forever. So any, any solutions, you know, maybe possibly something herbal or I don't know, acupuncture I mean, or... I'm- what do you? What I'm looking you forward to see how my body handles it. We'll see in the future. Um, you know, I think it, it's just <laughs> that's the time when your hormones can fluctuate a lot and they can be really unpredictable. So it gets tricky and every woman's going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I remind people just to be careful about the amount of caffeine that they take in just because that can make your energy swing so much. To be careful about how much, you know, sugar they take in, just refined sugar. So that's just, you know, nutrition in general. I'm a huge fan of acupuncture. Um, more so with my endometriosis patients and my pelvic pain patients, I think it works. Um, and you know, for women who are able to soy products have some estrogen like, you know, similarity that chemically it's similar to estrogen. So it can help prevent the estrogen levels from dropping too much, but it's not specifically taking a, a, a soy pill. They find that you actually have to eat the foods that have soy in it. So like, mm-hmm. you know, soybeans, soy milk, um, the soy products can help, help a little bit with the fluctuation in, you know, the estrogen. And then a lot of my patients swear by progesterone mm-hmm. cream that you get over the counter. It's, it's sweet potato cream. So Mm. it's a yam cream. So it's a natural progesterone and they swear that that will help. And really what it's going to do is just, you're still going to have fluctuation of your hormones, but it's going to prevent such big swings because you're giving yourself a little bit extra. So you don't drop down too low. So different things that they can try, usually not harmful. And when I say about the estrogen, if you can, you know, anyone who's had breast cancer really needs to talk to their 
oncologists before they're having any soy products. Good to so. know. Um, so what about um, going back to the periods? Yeah. So um, we know that, um, you know, there's exercise induced, how do you say it? Uh-huh. Amenorrhea. Is that right? Uh-huh. How do you say it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that one <laughs> um, where, you, where yeah. you totally miss, miss your period. Um, uh-huh. But like even there's some women that are talking about how her cycle used to be, Hannah's cycle used to be, you know, 28 da- days on the dot. Um, and now she's up to mileage a little bit and started riding her bike more. And now she's down to 24 day cycles. I mean, at what point does it become, um, you know, something that you need to talk to your doctor about? I assume if you are not getting your period, that's something you need to talk to your doctor about. Um, yeah. if you're not pregnant yeah. and you're training hard. So, you know, for, for cycle length, anywhere from a 21 day to a 40 day cycle is considered normal. So some people just naturally are going to ovulate either, mm. you know, more regularly and have their period every 21 days, which is, you know, annoying because they're basically bleeding every three weeks. And then some people <laughs> have 40 day cycles and that's just normal for them. Right. And it can fluctuate too. You know, a lot of women, as they get closer to menopause, will sometimes find that their cycle length gets shorter. You know, they do start having their periods closer together. Um, really when it comes to exercising, it's going to be it's slightly related to body fat. And then, you know, the newest term is really just calling it energy balance. Is the person getting enough calories to support, you know, what their body's doing? And what happens is that when someone starts exercising and using calories and isn't nutritionally taking it enough to, to cover that, it's the body almost reverts back to hormonally kind of the, if you looked at someone's hormones, it looks like what their hormones looked like before they ever started getting their period. Um, so kind of a pre puberty type hormonal Mm. state and really from our standpoint, the biggest issue is, you know, the fact that someone's not having periods, if they're not taking enough nutrition is their estrogen levels drop down low and it can have a huge impact on their bones and put them at increased risk for osteoporosis when they get older. So, you know, from our standpoint, that's the biggest concern. Um, you know, the second thing is if you do have someone who does want to try to get pregnant and she's not having periods and, you know, is a high mileage runner or even just maybe a a normal mileage runner, but really watching what she eats, you know, that can be an issue in terms of getting pregnant. So any, it's any, anytime you go more than three months without having a period, that's considered abnormal. Um, now I don't know about the exercising and, you know, a shortening of the length of the cycles, you know, when you brought up and you said, yeah, I'm training harder and I'm having period every 24 days. I mean, honestly, from us, that's not as concerning as someone who stops having periods altogether. Mm-hmm. For our last question, you touched on um, kind of fertility and running. And, and so uh, one of the people on the Facebook was asking about, um, does running affect fertility? And I, um, mm-hmm. I had secondary infertility mm-hmm. and now I, I got twins out of it because um, uh, we did IVF. But, um, but it's just so frustrating to be told to stop running when I really felt like I know I needed uh-huh. it to maintain my sanity. So, I mean, what's your stance on, on what people who are maybe having trouble getting pregnant, what they should do with their running? It, you know, it's going it's to be different for every woman. So is this someone who's running and having regular periods but not getting pregnant? Um, and in those cases, mm-hmm. uh, 
in my opinion, that would be someone who could continue running because if she's having periods, her body's producing enough estrogen. Um, if you have someone who's running higher mileage and isn't having periods or her periods are very irregular, you know, most of the reproductive endocrinologists, I think, would probably tell them they need to stop running altogether. I think in that case, that's when either someone would maybe need to consider decreasing their mileage, meeting with a nutritionist, making sure they're getting enough calories to support what they're doing, you know, or we'll look into, can they do something, you know, I don't want to say besides running, but decrease the mileage and do something else that maybe doesn't have mm -hmm. as much aerobic um, to, you know, to stay fit, but not, you know, not be as much running as running is. And it, it's going to depend on the patient, you know, completely. So, because, you know, I understand, you know, if you have mm -hmm. someone who mm -hmm. is using that running to stay sane, it's, you know, it's their, it's essentially their Prozac to stay mm -hmm. happy. It's, you know, it's hard to tell someone to stop running. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think there's so many restrictions. And I think, you know, when uh -huh. I was going through my secondary infertility, I mean, I just, yeah. there's so so much guilt associated with it. And then to think, oh, well, is this, is what I'm doing on a daily basis to make me feel good? Is it actually what's, you know, should I feel guilty about it? And, you know, should I apologize for it? And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised my patients who do see the reproductive endocrinologists and have assistance in getting pregnant. Generally, when I see them, they've been told in the first trimester that they cannot exercise at all, you know, and, and these are all women. So these are oh. the exercisers, non-exercisers, everyone alike, even, even if everything goes great with either their IVF cycle or whatever they did to get pregnant, they are told that they should not exercise or have sex mm -hmm. at all until they get to 12 weeks. Wow. That seems like such a, almost like a regional difference. I mean, I wonder, um, you know, because I, I, they didn't tell me that. I mean, I, I was running up until, I guess, yeah. seven weeks into my twin pregnancy, and then yeah. I had some spotting, and then I was just like, you know what, let's just back yeah. off. But I did other things. I mean, I mean, I, it I may, was, it may be a regional you know. difference. I did, I trained in the Detroit area, and now I'm in practice in Dallas. And when I moved here, mm -hmm. you know, I, I noticed right away that there were things that they just do different. And I think a lot of it is you live in one place, and all the doctors kind of do it the same way, and and that's just how it is. Right, right, right. Well, good. Well, I'm glad we were able to get your perspective on um, things and give people some advice. So thanks for joining us, Dr. Beth. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. sound advice if I ever heard it. Although I, you know, I am a little dismayed that she's never heard the joke about your uterus falling out. I mean, that's kind of our inside mother runner joke, right? Oh, I know. I can't tell you the past couple nights I've been thinking, okay, we really need to do a shirt, you know, that says still waiting for my uterus to fall out. Oh, um, we totally have to do that. I, okay, oh my gosh. That's Let's so funny because, okay, good. Because Molly suggested my running partner and I just like nearly fell to the ground laughing when we were running when she told me it. And then, I don't know, it just came to me like just out of the blue. I'm like, we have to do that shirt. So I'm thinking it's a lifestyle shirt instead of a exercise shirt uh, because I think it'd be, I don't know, don't you think it'd be more funny to like kind of a conversation starter like at the supermarket and stuff? Like, well, see, I don't think you'd wear it at the supermarket though. Like I think that's a little bit too... Um, 
TMI? Yeah, a little TMI, but at a race, that would be very funny. <laughs> or, yeah. you know what? Or if my uterus <laughs> off that, um, what's that one? The, um, one oh, yeah. If my, gar- if, if my uterus falls out, pause my Garmin. Because <laughs> they have, if I, if I collapse, pause right, my Garmin. Right. So we could, you. you know, riff on it in the mother runner way. Yeah, right. Oh, that's funny. And I love that it's uteri. Yeah. I, I really, I think I have to work that into conversation more. Oh, yeah. I'll have to ask Amelia, how's your uteri doing? <laughs> no, 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 if but, she has two, I'm not sure if she has two. Yeah, or no, not, no. But. I think, how's, you know, Amelia, how are you and your friend's uteri doing, you know? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I can ask Phoebe, my new middle schooler, right? Mom, <laughs> shut up. God, don't talk about that stuff. But honestly, I think we got to oh do that shirt. I mean, I'm very excited. I want you, when you when we hang up, that's your next task. Oh, I am. you don't have 4,000 other things to do. I, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on Should it. Should it be blood um, red, do you think? So good. Okay, so. <laughs> the shirt. Or have a little trail of, like, blood going down that kind of, maybe it has, like, a tail on it that's oh a little, gosh. like, a red ribbon coming off or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, it all has, like, you know, they sew an extra sleeve onto it down at the bottom or something. Um, oh, look at the back. On the back, it says this. Wait, you if and I... my uterus falls out, please put it on ice on the back of your shirt. Now we're just... Now now we're just going a little uh, too far, a right, little right. too far. <laughs> um, well, if you are wanting um, more of our humor or some of our shirts, they're available, uh, and this one will be on there soon. Uh, they're available on our website, anothermotherrunner.com. Um, our Facebook page is Run Like a Mother, the book. Our Twitter handle is at the Mother Runner. Our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, are both now available in our online store. And... Um, Many happy miles, and we hope that uterus stays in. We hope all of your uteri stay in. (laughs) Keep that puppy where it belongs.